welcome to uh, Movies and Tea, the After Hours special, and more importantly, it is Shark Week 3, and tonight we are going to be discussing The Shallows, and I have to say that I, when it comes to the it comes to these seasons, I'm never sure which is more fun, the part of the season where we do like the re-evaluation of a director's filmography, or these After Hours um, shows that we do... You know, just to break things up instead of just being like going from one director to the next. So, um, for yourself, Kim, I mean, do you have a particular favourite, or you sort of do each have their own merit for you? Well, I mean, I I kind of see it in a different way, right? the The normal season a lot of times has a lot of movies where it's kind of like really, kind of like an education in filmography. Yeah, <laughs> it's more of like an education when we go to the after hours. It's more like discovering you know, letting each of us discover something while also fulfilling our guilty pleasures or whatnot in a shark week. So, you know, I mean, we both, you know, really love shark movies. So it, it fits really well into that picture. You know, I mean, if we run out of shark movies ever, <laughs> then <laughs> I, I'm sure the next step would be going to some sort of like creature feature or something. It didn't look, it didn't look doubtful. I was doing a total today and we were up to 45 before we even came close to running out. And with the asylum churning them out on a weekly basis, I think it, I think it's only going to go downhill, the quality of shark movies we're going to be discussing. Well, and, you know, obviously I'm not talking about asylum. I'm talking about, like, you know, like relatively <laughs> good production value. You know, okay. So, you know, thing, things that, you know, either we've seen or we both want to see or something like that. Not yeah. like, you know, the, these after hours are supposed to be things that we agree on that we enjoy. So, like, <laughs> fairly enjoy or one of us enjoy or something like that. And that's why we have, you know, each of our own picks and whatnot. So it's, uh, it'll be fun, I think. Yeah. Um, well, in previous, if you've uh, regular listened to the show on uh, our previous Shark Weeks, we've discussed the Meg and Deep Blue Sea, and tonight we are going to be looking at The Shallows in 2016, directed by Jean Collette Sierra, who, despite giving us films such as Orphan and Nonstop, is also a director responsible for giving us the likes of Go To, Living the Dream, and House of Wax remake, which memorably was sold on the prospect of seeing Paris Hilton die. So, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> but I, th- I think, I think for for you know this director himself, my my favorite movie of his is Orphan. Like definitely, like all these other things come as like a. I don't even think I've actually I've actually brushed through most of everything else that he's done, other than The Shallows and Orphan. Okay, so here we have a film which is sold on the prospect of a bikini-bottom-clad Blake Lively here cashing in the pretty girl dollars alongside a rather large shark as the selling point for this movie. And you might expect this to be the same sort of throwaway summer fodder with all the dramatic depth of an Emma Watson performance. I mean, it couldn't possibly be good, could it? Well, let's find out. And As I said, The Shallows is a film which is kind of a rarity within shark movies, especially more modern shark movies, because it's actually really, really good. And it's not just, you know, giant shark going around eating random extras and people who can't get acting jobs in other films. This is a rock and a hard place style movie, as here we have Blake Lively playing a medical student who's training to be a doctor, and she's taking a break uh, from her studies because of her mother dying of cancer and she's sort of at this crossroads in her life and has decided to follow in the footsteps of her mother's wilderness years by visiting this secret beach 
and uh, engaged in some summer in some surfing like her mother had done. However, she inadvertently stumbles upon the feeding zone of a rather large great white shark, which decides not only to take a a bite out of uh, of our heroine as, as such, uh, but also leaves her stranded on a rock in the middle of the ocean with little chance of getting back to shore and with high tide quickly approaching, leaving her with a difficult set of circumstances of how she's going to escape from her predicament. So, Kim, I mean, initial thoughts on The Shallows, I mean, when you originally saw the trailer for The Shallows or you, you read about it, I'm not sure which of the, how you came to came to find the film, I mean, did you think that this was actually going to have any sort of depth or do you think it was just going to be like, like 47 metres down or just one of those sort of throwaway summer sort of hits? Well, I saw The Shallows before 47 Meters Down was released, so okay. that wouldn't apply. But I don't remember actually seeing a lot about this. The only I think I think I remember seeing a poster somewhere, and then I was like, I was like, they're just cashing out of the pretty girl dollars. And I was like, at that <laughs> point, I was like, you know, the the most successful thing Blake Lively has done in my in my life was the Sisterhood of Traveling Pants and Gossip Girl. Do so not I was bash like, Gossip Girl. Gossip Girl was wonderful. For all six seasons. That no, no, no. Right. I, I think Gossip Girl is fine. I, I like oh, her in Gossip okay. Girl. I think her character was a bit dragged out, but we're not talking about <laughs> Gossip Girl today. Um, but, I mean, like, yeah. So, you know, she's never done movies like this before. And to me, it was kind of like a fresh experience. And I was kind of, like, wondering whether it was just, you know, setting her up to be kind of like a scream queen type of deal, right? But... You know, it turned out, you know, I gave the movie a chance. I think it was some cheap rental or something that I got before it went on Netflix. And then, and, uh, and I watched it and it was surprisingly really good. And I, you know, I really, I really was, you know, I really liked this whole, you know, wilderness and sharks and you kind of like, you kind of like, it's just, you know, she, she's at the wrong place at the wrong time, pretty much. Mm. And it's kind of like a journey of her own. It doesn't involve a lot of people. It's very, you know, bare bones in that sense. Definitely so. I mean, as for myself with Blake Lively, the only thing I'd seen her in prior to The Shallows was in Oliver Stone's Savages, where she's in a movie which is so smug you wish she had a face so you could punch it. And she was basically just doing the whole hipster dream girl thing, which essentially she does in Gossip Girl as well, but the whole... At least there, she's got other people to to balance it out. Mm. Even though her her character, as you said, it gets drawn out way too thin. And and with this film, as I said, it was a real surprise. I mean, it's yes, it's her doing the hipster dream girl thing again, but she's got some real sort of dramatic element to it. And it's what appealed to her the most when she took on the project was that her husband Ryan Reynolds had done Buried, which is basically him in a box. Yeah. And here she was saw the chance to you know, do her own version, but you know it's her on a rock with a seagull uh, to talk to, and that's basically it. We have this this monster shark, which isn't some super intelligent creature. It's just a very it's a shark that seems to be following the laws of nature, so it's very sort of grand in that respect. And as I said, we just based with it. She's got only the sort of clothes and the jewelry on her. Um, and basically any, anything she can sort of that washes near the, her rock um, and as I said does this seagull to talk to and it's such a fascinating 
concept i was surprised that it's a gripping and it works as well as it is as it does because certainly when you have a character on their own there is obviously the the worry that it's sort of going to drag and it's going to become yeah. kind of tedious and the certainly all wrestling sort of the one actor to be engaging enough without relying on anyone else and certainly with her buddy the buddy uh steven seagal um he's only there just to really sort of bounce dialogue off just so it's, we're not watching Blake Lively talk to herself for an hour and a half so <laughs> yeah well I think that, but I think I think that that's that's really the key is that you know Blake Lively is really able to sell the role and it's such a surprise because she hasn't done anything I believe at that point that was so huge um I think a lot of stuff after that you know after this project she she was able to take on a lot more Maybe other things? Wait, let me see. Oh, no, she actually did Age of Adeline before. And that one got some good stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I saw All I See Is You, and that's not a good movie. Don't don't see that. <laughs> uh, that was after this. Um, but, yeah, no, The Shallows is, um, you know, I think that it, it's nice that her character lends to also having some depth. And... We really get, like, you know, before all the action starts and all, you know, the getting in the wrong place and stuff like that. We have that, you know, kind of false sense of security where, you know, we see that she has some problems with her family, the stuff she's going through, and, you know, why she's here. And, and then at the, same, at the same time, it builds kind of like her backstory and it gives it some time also. While, you know, she interacts with other surfers that are there and we're able to really, you know, get that get that you know just get into the groove of this being kind of like a really just fun surfing trip for her to kind of get her mind off all the stuff that's happened in her life and it's how she connects to her mother just being there and it's 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 an important journey to her and yet she insisted on following through with her plans and it's what lands her into into the situation she ends up being in Definitely so, and it's so the way that her sort of backstory and everything sort of established. It's we see the sort of uh, side shots with the phone, and we can see yeah. that she was originally supposed to go there with her friend, but her friend got drunk and decided to stay at the hotel. And she's still continuing through, and we get all these sort of like pictures of her mum when she was mm-hmm. her age, and you know, at this this mythical beach. Um, and as I said, it's, it's completely in the middle of, of nowhere. I think it's in the middle of the, like the Mexican jungle yeah. somewhere. It's a little hard to place where, where it's supposed to be. But basically, the no one really knows because it's not a beach known by the locals. It's sort of it's sorry, it's only a beach only known by the locals. And certainly, with them shooting on location, it was pretty much the same. There's only the island they were doing uh, production on. There was only 300 people there, and the 300 people there voted not to have Wi-Fi on the island yeah. and the whole production had to ride bicycles because there's so much like ecological ecologically detected like birds and plants and that so it was just uh you you it really sort of pays off now when we look at the film and you just see this like absolute paradise and it just feels like you're in the absolute middle of nowhere and it just adds to that sense of isolation mm. um so much more than just her being stuck on a rock and like just um, like this, a few uh, meters swim from shore, but at the same time she knows she can't outswim a shark, so she's kind of stuck where she is, trying to wear her options constantly. So, 
But, you know, the thing is, the thing is, her character is also very smart. Obviously, we know she's smart because, you know, she she is in med school and she has a lot of the know-hows that that she needs in this situation. And while she kind of rejects that whole med school thing currently and it's kind of like, you know, in the in, in, in like she's contemplating whether she's going to continue. There's a lot of things that we see that her character, because of all these things, it naturally fits into the situation also, but it doesn't feel like it's too forced. So, you know, she has the things she has on her, obviously, like, you know, those little simple things that help her, you know, she gets bitten by a shark. She's on the rock. Well, she has to do what she can to kind of fix herself up. And, you know, all this stuff is is not only, you know, med school, but there's a lot of these things is like, you know, general knowledge, you know, uh, the just having that ability to be able to, okay, well, I'm going to cut this and use this as a compression or uh, on her leg or, you know, do all these different things. And and it's those little moments you really see that, you know, she she is a fighter. I think that was one of those core things is that, you know, she there was a question about whether, you know, she honoring her mother was about being, you know, being a fighter and, and following through with her dreams. And in this case, you know, you can see that her character is, is a fighter because, you know, through all these things, she's actually very smart. She tries to, you know, we don't have a mega shark here. We don't have any super smart shark like Deep Blue Sea. We don't, we don't have like a, a huge meg, megla, megalodon yeah. like in the meg. You know, this is just a great white and there's habits and you start learning a little bit more about this great white. What turns it off? What kind of repels it? What attracts it? And and, you know, like the little things that, you know, he there's also a, a routine to what it does. So she picks up on all these things as, you know, she starts calming down and getting control of her own emotions. And I think that, you know, that's when we really see the character really grow is through those little things that happen, but in those really smart ways of her taking a chance to kind of like find a way to survive. Definitely. And again, this is something that I really love about the film is that we're given all these bits of information, as I said, about her being a medical student, that the coral has the same effect of like a jellyfish sting. And we're given the information there so that when we come to rely on this information later, it doesn't feel like a huge leap of faith. Like she's patching herself up and she's doing all this sort of like field dressing and stuff. And she talks herself through each mm -hmm. procedure, like she's addressing a patient. So she's working on her bedside manner the whole time she's going through it. And she's like explaining what she's doing to herself, whether it's to her distraction or, or, or what uh, her just like a way of like, gaining like regaining that sort of information it's unclear but certainly it really sort of plays in well it's like yeah she's a med student so she is going to know how to do these sort of like patch up jobs because if you haven't got like a proper medical kit that you uh that you obviously can do these different things to sort of like close a wound together to what you need to do to stop a wound from bleedings which is like by using the uh, surfboard strap the, to form a tourniquet and we you can see like that this is someone who's got a very sort of organized mind even from when we see her on the beach and she's pulling out all her bags and everything's labeled and in individual little compartments like sunscreen and phone and she's got these uh she she's uh clearly a fan of the label maker <laughs> yeah she's she, you know it, it fits in her character and it builds from the beginning and and that's how you know it it gives this uh this you know her character a lot of substance but i think that you know a lot 
a lot of credit has to go to, you know, we've been looking at directors and, you know, while we're not doing this director spe specifically, um, Joan Colesera, we're not doing his filmography specifically. This movie does stand out and does really show that he has a lot of skills behind the camera because in this sort of, you know, isolated area, he ends up taking a lot of, you know, um, bird's eye of you, like from, t from, from above. He, yeah. just so that we know the land that she's in, where she's surfing. And we have all these like little things that, that happen. And, and I think that those are the shots that really, you know, while the camera constantly rotates between, you know, at her and then from above and then from afar sort of thing. And it doesn't feel like such a, you know, so deliberate. But, rather, but rather, every time they do the above shot, we kind of have this feeling of where she is in that area. Like, oh, now she's in that, you know, surfing area where it's safe. And then, you know, as she's on the rock, we kind of see the rock formation around her. And with the low tide and the high tide, we kind of have a different feeling of the area that's around her also. And, and, and you know, at the same time, you know, the camera also has, you know, that that kind of like it's kind of a bit like it's floating in the water and when it's in the water it almost feels like it's like the shark's perspective and it's kind of like a bit like it's hunting her um a bit like you're you're kind of like peeking through to to really see where it is and and a lot of these things really play into just building that mood of the of you know where she's in and the danger that she's in and and you know whether it's really coming for her mm, definitely and I mean, I was surprised at the fact that they only shot 10% of the film on actual location. The rest of it was just shot in a big big tank using a green screen. Mm -hmm. And it's really just the way that we obviously have those own location shots. They blend in with obviously the tank shots. And you really have to look at the film, and especially in the background, to try and figure out which of the tank shots. Because the two blend together so perfectly. Mm. And I think by having such an uncluttered cluttered environment as well, it only plays to the strengths of the film. As the only locations that we've got that she can, that she's essentially can be safe. She's got the beach, which is obviously too far to swim to. She's got the buoy, uh, which is her main sort of goal towards the end to get to, especially as the rock, uh, which is the final sort of safe place in, in this location, um, is quickly being submerged by the rising tide. So, as you said, those, those aerial shots really help to not only give a sense of environment, but also provide us with a better look at the size of her opponent in terms of the shark. When she sort of settles into tracking its routine, it's like, okay, I've got 30 seconds from it going from the rock to the whale, and then it's going to come back, and it's so, and now you can look at that these things are going to affect it. and you really got to give credit to Tim as a director the fact that the shark only sort of breaks the sort of natural sort of cycle for itself once we get into the finale and we need it to sort of ramp up the tension and the action for sort of like the big uh, big payoff and that's when it becomes more similar to like the likes of Jaws and Deep Blue Sea as this sort of like demon shark and I wasn't sure if like the shark's supposed to be like this representation of her own personal demon she's having to sort of face it's sort of like how do you get someone to realize that their calling in life is medical? school? Well, you put them in this situation where they're going to need to use those skills. And in certainly in her case, it's by facing this giant shark and it's by defeating this shark that she like 
has this uh, clarity to realize, you know, to go back to med school to sort of continue with her life and uh, and and to live her best life, so to speak. Well, I mean, nothing nothing does it better than a life and death situation, right? Certainly. So, I mean, it, 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 that, it, these sort of situations tend to put everything in uh, into focus real quick. <laughs> um, I want to talk a little bit about the supporting characters. Obviously, we got the two surfers who I was surprised weren't as douchey as I was expecting. We also had the drunk on the beach who was as douchey as I expected. <laughs> I, I was so angry at that at that guy. Um, his his demise could not come quick enough. Even now, when I'm rewatching the film, because I've seen it a couple of times, but the jump scares are so good they still mm. catch me off guard. And like when the guys, uh, you're waiting for like an attack to happen, and because they're being teased by seeing like the silhouette underneath, and again, this is a I throw back to natural shark behavior where surfers are mistaken for seals because of their because of their uh, silhouette. Yeah. And sharks' eyesight is largely based in silhouette. So I like the fact that those shots are thrown in and it gives it... It's not like, oh, it's a shark. It's It only cares about eating humans because they really don't. And I don't know why this shark became so obsessed with uh, trying to eat Blake Lively's character. It's, uh, but it uh, has a real sort of devotion to... That if it was like a if it was a different situation, like if it was a crocodile and alligator, which obviously have that dedication to uh, catching a prey, then I would understand more. But this shark is just so determined that it's going to get Blake Lively one way or another. <laughs> I think I think I think I think it had to go with the fact that I think the main clue was in the fact that it had gotten attacked by humans before, because yes, there was that that so. shot about you know like how it, it had something jammed into the side of its jaw already. Which which also comes into play in the movie at some point. Which, you know, I'm, I'm really, you know, it's, it's nice to see that there are these little details that really work. And, you know, these supporting characters, I think, really play to just kind of, you know, there's only so much you can watch of someone lying on a rock and trying to get off and trying to, you know, survive and talking to a seagull that there is where... You know, there has to be, like, hints where you think that they can save her, right? Yeah. There's someone outside that can save her. And the surfers, well, obviously them coming back was, you know, made sense because, you know, they were there to surf and they were there the next day and they seemed like locals. Yeah. Um, and then you have, obviously, you know, obviously the drunk guy was just, you you, <laughs> you just find it, like, angry and sad and pathetic all at the same time. Because it was just like, you know, like what was his determination? He was like, he, he turns around, sees a surfboard, and he's like, oh, that's worth money. I'm going to go and walk into the water and try and pull it out. Was that his mentality? I, I don't know. Like, I think so, because he'd already stolen her phone and her bag at that point. Because she's, she's trying to get him to get her phone to call for help. Yeah. And instead he just steals her bag and her phone. And it's like, you asshole. Yeah. And then he obviously sees the surfboard. And he's like, oh, more things I can sell. Um, and obviously doesn't know about the shark. And I mean, to her credit, I mean, she does try to warn him. So she's, even if uh, people are trying to wrong her, she's still a good person in that respect. Yeah. Well, you know, obviously she doesn't want to see anyone die, <laughs> but you know, in the end, it's just, you know, the shark, the shark's not, you know, the shark's out for Blake Lively, but anybody that tries to help her is also on the, on the menu. Oh yeah. It's, it's decided, you know, this is its hunting zone and. <laughs> Anything that stumbles in it is is gonna 
become chow. <laughs> um, right. The now we've obviously talked a lot about the about the shark and Blake Lively's situation, and then I mean I have to give credit again to Blake Lively. She did she did all her own stunt work in the film. Uh, they they were obviously talking about bringing in uh, in stunt actresses to like do the dive off the well. She's like, no, I mm-hmm. I do it myself. And the only sort of thing that they did do was they brought in a stunt surfer for the surfing scenes, which are up there with uh, Big Wednesday. They're just absolutely stunning. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. I mean, the the surfing scenes are are really nice. I mean, they're always impressive to see, and um, you know, it's cut so well too that it really does look like her. She's doing it. So. It does. Um, yeah, they brought in pro surfer Isabella Nichols, mm-hmm. who, I mean, she taught Blake Lively some of the basics, such as, you know, how to wax the board and attach the leg rope. And, uh, you know, it gives it the air of uh, authenticity, So that which really helps, as you said. You think, oh, wow, she can actually surf because, you know, you've seen her waxing the board and she seems to know what she's doing. Um, it, I'm not sure... If Blake Lively can surf or not in real life. I know she said in an article once that she enjoyed surfing once, and she's certainly on the California coast, so it wouldn't surprise me if she does surf, but um, certainly she's not doing the surfing here. It's uh, all Isabella Nichols, who... It, it's just so pretty to look at the sort of surfing sequences, the fact we go underwater, and I really love the cinematography that uh, Flavio uh, Labi... Labi- <coughs> Flavio Labiano... I'm sorry if I've totally mispronounced that. Um, really, sort of does with uh, the film. It's, I mean, the surfing sequences are not just there to fill in time. It's sort of all just about setting the tone and just this person trying to find peace with themselves. Because, uh, mm-hmm. and as I said, just it really sort of adds to the natural beauty of this location. It's sort of like we're in this location. Why not make the most of it by showing showing their these fun surfing sequences so yeah and and you know it's it's really nice i think one of some of my favorite shots were not even just like the surfing it was the going out to the sea part where yeah you know she had to dive under the the waves every single time and and it was just so beautiful that they did it and and you know this made me think of the fact that i think that what really does a lot of justice to the film here is um the soundtrack i really love the soundtrack and i think the second time watching it, i really realized like how from the situation from the beginning till the end, the soundtrack goes from is able to, you know, elevate itself to, you know, the situation that's going on. And it works really well to, you know, when it's surfing and that, you know, that light kind of style, they have a lot of like more, you know, the the fun hit music sort of thing going on. And then you have, you know, like the more, you know, relaxing time. And then and then as we get into that, part in the end it gets you know ominous and suspenseful as she starts realizing something around her or feels like something's around her like when she first like is getting ready for her second surf you know there's this suspenseful kind of subtle suspense in the background where she turns around and she thinks that something's you know something's after her but obviously that's a false scare that we have it's just a little jump scare which is a nice little thing Oh, it's just about to say. I mean, yeah, Marco Beltrami's uh, score is just really quite stunning here, and we don't have any of the warning cues that we get with some of the other shot movies. Like it's obviously like with Jaws being the key example. Um, here, it's a soundtrack that's always in the background. It very rarely comes to the the foreground, as 
the focus is always on the action screen and this is sort of just adding to the experience so if you're watching this film on like your laptop and stuff invest in some decent uh, headphones as it really sort of emphasizes the uh, experience and really you can really embrace the immersive experience that that score helps provide and even when we get to the end and we obviously have uh, Sears track uh, Bird Set Free just playing over the shots of the ocean it, oh, it's so stunning I could just sit and watch that for on a continuous loop and um, certainly some there is if you go on YouTube uh, someone has made like a fan video for Sears song but just using footage from the film like the seven footage and some of the shot footage and it's just perfectly matches up there's not any element of the soundtrack that doesn't seem to like uh feel like a flamboyance or doesn't sort of uh, work here yeah i mean you know there, there's just you know that i think that you know talking about it i think that you know there, there's really something really nice about yeah i don't know i mean shark films they kind of vary right they kind of have like you know there's a type which is just pure guilty pleasure Something yeah. like, you know, Sharknado. Ridiculous. Like, nonsensical. <laughs> Doesn't make sense at all. And then you have movies like, you know, Jaws and The Shallows and that sort of stuff. Which gets grouped into kind of like... Movies... Like, shark movies with a little bit more substance. Because it gives it more of that... It gives it the right atmosphere to build your mood. And kind of like, really, you know, your scares are are built out of suspense and you never know when the shark is going to come out. You never know when something's going to happen. You'd cause you're not really familiar with the area that they're in either. Yeah. So there's a lot of surprises here that we have. We have a little bit of information to go by, you know, like, you know, the coral that stings like a jellyfish and all those things that come into play. But, you know, at the same time, there's these little moments where, you know, it's just things that just go by the way it's shot, you know, how the shark is just lurking under her and, there's a lot of times just passes under as a shadow and then she's on the forefront kind of thing. And a lot of these things really build that atmosphere and give it that kind of like, you know, we're watching this and we obviously know more than her what's going on. So you're sitting here kind of like tensing up and you're like, oh, when is it going to happen? Oh, it's going to be now. Is it going to be now? And you kind of like, it's kind of like me watching a horror movie where I go and like, I build up enough like anticipation. I anticipate the scare so much that I scare myself when it happens. <laughs> <laughs> and, but I think that those are kind of like the best shark movies. They make them, you know, it's so memorable also because things that build out of atmosphere they have so much rewatchability to them. You can go back and you watch them and, you know, like this one. We we don't remember, you know, sometimes I don't... I went back the second time this time and I forgot a lot of the things that happened. A lot of those little jump scares that were, you know, fluctuating between pleasant surprises or false alarms and stuff like that versus, you know, the real scares that come in and, and all those little things that happen. And it just feels so natural also in the whole setting. I mean, we've already gone through this, you know, like her personality works with everything and the shark is not, you know, some, some, you know, mega machine, you know, like indestructible. It's, it's there and it's, you know, it's very destructible. It has its purpose. It's been harmed. It's, you know, it has all these things where it feels very much like it's just nature at work. And, you know, there's that naturalness to it that just feels like it's e even easier to be convinced about the situation. It's, I think the problem is, as I said, because the shark market has been so saturated, really since the release of Jaws, that 
Jaws in many ways, I mean, it just opened the floodgates for not only newer shark movies to come out, but pretty much anything that could be made vaguely scary from like bears and crocodiles to ants and birds. The whole creature feature or eco-horror job is just like blown open just by the success of Jaws and other films trying to replicate it. And we now see it still continuing today with like the likes of Asylum who are just going off down there. Many random tracks, be it with like Mega Shark or Five Headed Shark Attack or Six Headed Shark Attack or Octo Shark or was it? I think the thing someone said sent me the other day was like Exorcist Shark or Ghost Shark. It's like Sand Sharks. I think is also one thing. Yeah. So, um, so it's when it, it because the market been so saturated. It's it's a surprise when you actually get a good one. Uh, much like with zombie movies now, the zombie market's really saturated, and I think everyone's sort of getting to that point where it's sort of like a bit border it, so that when somebody does something new or we have a good zombie movie come out, it just revives everyone's interest. And we saw that with like Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead completely revived what we'd wanted, and it could also be said with like. Uh, I would even go with something later. a little bit more recent, because after Shaun of the Dead has been, you know, a while, right? So after that was kind of like Train to Busan, it's kind of like. The revival, and it was a foreign movie, which gave it like extra points. Oh yeah, definitely Train to Busan. Again, it's uh, like one cut of a dead. I think it's it's taken the foreign markets to revive the zombie genre again. Because certainly, when we look at the Western releases, I mean, we look at uh, like uh, Walking Dead, and people are still walking watching Walking Dead. It sounds like a they're talking about an abusive relationship. It's sort of like oh. Nothing happened for 14 episodes, and then something good happened, and then nothing good happened for another two, and it's like, why are you still watching? And that's what I never understood. These people are just, like, determined to see it out to the end, so. Um, but further, I mean, so, is there anything else you want to talk about The Shallows? No, or? I'm done. I'm done. Okay. Um, if you do obviously like The Shallows, what would you recommend pairing with it, then, Kim? Well, for something along the shark thing is a movie I always talk about, and I'm sure we'll eventually get here into our shark week, and that's The Reef, which is an Australian uh, shark movie, Okay. which is about, um, I think it's five friends who go out uh, on a yacht or something, or sailing or something, and then um, their their boat gets capsized um, because of a shark, I think, maybe, and then I, somehow it gets capsized. And then they now have to go to, they have to go survive. You know, they have to go and leave the boat and kind of like wander into the ocean together. And then they realize there's a shark lurking among them. And, you know, the shark is more like a subtle kind of like appearance. So it's very like, it's very atmospheric, the film. And that's one of the things I really like about it is that the shark doesn't show up too much. And it's never, you know, like it's kind of like, in and out, you know, but it's it's one of those films that really base itself on atmosphere and it's executed really, really well. It's a bit slow, but it's executed really, really well. Um, I mean, but I'd also like to kind of like, you know, I feel that, you know, pairing shark movies with shark movies is kind of like the easy way out. Yeah. So I also found um, I also want to talk about an indie film. OK. Uh, on land. <laughs> Which is called Backcountry, and that was in 2014 that it was released. Um, it's about a couple who goes onto a camping trip into this, um, into, into, you know, he goes on a camping trip, and then they get lost, and then 
it ends up that they end up fighting a man-eating bear. Like, they end up being surviving against a man-eating bear. So, um, it's kind of, it, it's, it's, it has a lot of really good moments. It's very similar to how I feel about, you know, The Shallows. Um, it's a bit frustrating at certain points. Uh, but I think the movie is also done really well. Like, it's one of those, you know, rare movies where you really feel the isolation of being lost in the forest. But at the same time, I feel like, you know, bears and, you know, them being kind of like the central idea of kind of like what makes them dangerous is not explored a lot. I mean, obviously we have the Revenant, but, you know, backcountry is all about that. You know, it's all about, you know, that that moment where it's it's two people, they have their issues or whatnot. And they're there and then they meet this bear and then now it's all about the bear is following them. Um, kind of thing. And it, it's it's a really interesting movie. I think that, you know, obviously being on the indie circuit, I feel like maybe not a lot of people has heard of it or maybe hasn't seen it. No, I've not uh I've I've not uh, seen this one, so I'll have to add it to the pile. It should it should it should be on I mean, it's currently on Netflix Canada, but whether it's somewhere else I don't know. So Cool. And what are your choices? Uh, my choices. I've got most. Of, I'm going uh, with for this one. Be it seen as uh, here we have Blake Lively stuck between a rock and a hard place. So obviously the most uh, obvious uh, place to go next would be a film based on the book Between a Rock and a Hard Place, and that would be 127 Hours by Danny Boyle. <laughs> I figured you were going to say that when you were said I was stuck in a hard place. I was like, oh, that's a movie that comes to my mind. <laughs> um, yeah, this is a a film which is. It was a lot of fuss made when it came out, and I think a lot of people seem to have forgotten about it now. But uh, James Franco plays a uh, plays mountaineer Aaron, who goes hiking in the, in the Utah Canyonlands, and basically gets his arm stuck between a boulder and a and a rock wall. And he's uh, basically the film follows his uh, 127 hours as he tries to find a way to free himself from his predicament. Um, Next one I would uh, choose is a film we mentioned already, and that would be Buried from 2010, mm-hmm. uh, starring Ryan Reynolds, who plays a civilian truck driver in Iraq who is captured by a bunch of insurgents and then buried in a coffin with only a lighter, a cell phone, and this dwindling oxygen supply as he must try and uh, find a way to await a rescue that might not arrive in time. Um Finally, uh, because, you know, while you obviously saying that you're not going to just pair shark movies, but I think we still have to include a creature feature in there. And for myself, uh, would be 2007, 2007's uh, Rogue, which is directed by Greg McLean, who also did Wolf Creek. And uh, this is a film inspired by the true story of Sweetheart, who was a giant male saltwater crocodile that attacked a bunch of boats in Australia in the 1970s. And uh, here we have a giant crocodile that traps a bunch of tourists on an island and uh, they have to sort of work out how they're going to escape the island without turning, being turned into a croc chow. Uh, this film is really kind of surprising, much like The Shallows, is we have... Lots of undertones of Jaws in here, where we have suspension slowly racked up. It's not just about gruesome kills, which, unsurprisingly, being a Graham McLean film, that are. But uh, certainly, it's not the real focus here. Instead, we have 
this I this uh, situation that these tourists are forced into, um, and trying to find a way that they can escape this this island uh, before the uh, croc decides to uh, make its way on there. But uh, those would be my my picks for if you liked uh, the channels. I would say it's all about uh, people being stuck in difficult situations and how they escape them. This one has been. Yeah, all really good choices. Thank you. Um, so that brings us to the end of our first episode of this After Hours block. And uh, up next. For the next movie in After Hours, we're going with uh, my pick, which is... Uh, 2017's Tigers Are Not Afraid, which finally, if you read my Friday Film Club post, got its um, short theatrical release, I guess, <laughs> in limited theaters back in, you know, in, in September. Um, over the course of, you know, um, end of August to September, it had its theatrical run. And then, um, and then now it's finally on Shudder as a Shudder exclusive. Um, so Tigers Are Not Afraid is a uh, Mexican film, which is pretty much like a fantasy horror, you know, it's like a horror fairy tale. Um, a lot of people compare it to Pan's Labyrinth as the closest comparison. Um, it does help that, you know, Del Toro really, really supports this movie so much that he's making a movie with this, di the director of Tigers Are Not Afraid. So... <laughs> Um, yeah, so Tigers Are Not Afraid is, uh, is the next movie pick, and, um, it's gonna be, it's gonna be fun when we follow the, when we watch a bunch of orphaned kids caught up in the drug cartel world, and, uh, armed with three magical wishes, but, you know, you know, magic can be interpreted in its own way. <laughs> hey, cool. And... I mean, just one sort of final note before we do a close out tonight's show, and I just say it's, it's been kind of funny that when we've done these Shark Week picks, that the movies we picked have all seemingly they could be compared to the director who season we focused on. So with the Meg, we had the big blockbuster Shark movie, which is obviously very true with Paul W S Anderson. With Deep Blue Sea, we had the Smart Sharks because you know sharks are monsters, monsters are humans, monsters are people too. So that's the Del Toro kick, and now we have the artsy sort of uh, stylized uh, shark pick, which obviously you could see Sofia Coppola doing it if she ever chose to, you know, direct a shark movie. I could see her doing something like The Shallows. So it'd be interesting yeah. to see if we can carry especially this on because it, forward. especially because you know we have that you know that whole like one person deal and it's like a character development and that sort of thing i it's definitely you can definitely see how the shallows really does compare to something that you know if coppola were to do it it, it would be it would be kind of you know it would be interesting <laughs> just wonder if she'll ever do one like that that's all it'd be interesting to see if she if she if she decides to like to make a creature feature just really randomly just uh just like you know i'm just bored of doing like these these uh, sort of pictures, I mean, certainly with the shallows, I mean, it's tapping into all those sort of things, and you know, the mature, uh, female maturity. So we obviously we we introduced to Blake Lively's character. I mean, she's very much sort of like in this bratty child stage, and she matures into an adult through her situation. So much like a her, so a couple of those characters are changed by the situations they encounter, and certainly through female leading characters um certainly we get the same with the shallows so 
I'm not going to say this is going to be the same for every season because there's certain directors I'm really not sure what sharp movies we compare with them. But it's certainly be interesting to uh, to see see if uh, there's any other directors who would could potentially be like linked to doing a shark movie. But um, thank you as always for listening. Thank you to my host Kim. And uh, if you haven't done already, please do hit the like and subscribe button. Um, and if you also leave us a review as it really helps raise the profile of the show. You can follow us on social media. We're on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And you can also check out our full archive, including our Friday Film Clubs, um, on moviesandteapodcast.wordpress.com. But until uh, next time, when we uh, be talking about Tigers Are Not Afraid, uh, this is Edward Jones signing off and just wish you all a very good night. Clipped wings, I was a broken thing Had a voice, had a voice, but I could not